All right, so that went well. Um, asked me a bunch of questions. I gave him some some answers. I thought they were good answers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we'll see. They said um, Jonathan said they would make a decision by the end of the week. So could be really soon that find out if this is going to be a thing. I'm Travis Albritton, and you are listening to Ministry Startup, the podcast detailing what it's like to start a ministry from scratch. This is episode 10, which is pretty special because it's also the last episode of season one. The past year and a half has been full of highs and lows, and I've done my best to capture it in the time that we've spent together. But to recap briefly, in the last episode, I came up with a new idea that would help a new group of Christians with a very common problem. The workshop will be called Small Group 2.0, and, you know, with the idea being that Small Group 1.0 wasn't working out so great, which is why they're taking Small Group 2.0. Things have come a long way since that little mini epiphany, and a lot has happened. I hope you've got your seatbelt on, because it's time to see how all of this is going to shake out. There are moments in your life that stay with you forever. You could probably rattle off a few meaningful experiences without having to give it much thought yourself. Some of mine include getting baptized, my first day at college, and seeing my bride walk down the aisle at our wedding. I cried a lot in that last memory, but it was a happy cry, so it was okay. And it's these major moments that serve as markers and milestones as we go through life. And it was one night after coming home from a long day at work that I was able to add another one of these memories to the list. Bentley, what does yours say? What does Bentley say? Bentley, Bentley, come here. What does yours say? Does yours say big oldest brother? So, does that mean what I think it means? Yeah. Does that mean that? Why don't you walk inside? (laughs) There's more. There's more? Oh, man. That says daddy on it. It does. And and this says pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be a dad. Now, this wasn't totally out of the blue, since we had started trying to conceive a couple months prior, but neither one of us were expecting this to happen so soon. And it's hard to describe how I felt in that moment. If you got the impression that I was kind of narrating my life in some sort of -of out-of-body experience, well, you're kind of right. Making a habit of recording your feelings all the time will do that to you. I wasn't shell-shocked. I wasn't ecstatic. And I wasn't overwhelmed. I just felt happy. Andrea and I were going to welcome a new human being into the world and try to raise them to love God as much as we did. 
And inside, I felt a switch, a shift internally. And I felt like I had to be more responsible. Taking care of an infant takes a lot of work. This little person is going to be depending on us for love and support, but also for clothes, shelter, food, and diapers. And those things cost money. Money we wouldn't have a lot of if I started working for our church. But deciding whether I could reasonably and responsibly provide for my new son or daughter on half of my current salary wasn't something I had to figure out just yet. And that's because I needed to win the job first. All right, let's go interview for this job. I was feeling a lot in this moment. Nervous about the interview, anxious about whether I'd be able to accept the job if it was offered to me, and confident that I could answer all of their questions. So I did what I knew that I should do going into this critical time. I prayed. This is it. This is the big one. I've been thinking about this, planning for this, getting my finances in order, just doing everything that I can to put myself in a position where I might be able to do this. That if they offer me the job, the the communications director job, that I'll be able to take it, be able to support my family, feel really good about the decision from a financial standpoint and from a faith standpoint. But it's kind of in your hands now. I'm going to go and do my best. I know there are several other people applying for it as well. So I have no idea how they're doing. Um, And, you know, I'm really just praying for your will on this one. Like, I definitely know what I would prefer. I'd prefer to get it. But I can't see into the future. I don't know what it would mean for me to do this. You know, I think it would be positive. I think it would be a good thing overall. But only you know it's best. And so, as much as I really want this to come through, I'm trusting you. 100%. Um, So, yeah, just... I pray that the interview goes exactly the way that you want it to. That I can do my best, not have any regrets, and trust you for the outcome. It's a quick 17 minutes from my home to the church building. I parked on the side of the building closest to the church office and walked inside. Hey, Ravis! Hey, buddy. What's up, man? Paul had gotten there before me and was ready to kick things off. But there was one person missing. Jonathan. Turns out he was stuck in traffic trying to cross town during rush hour. So the first part of the interview, we ended up doing over the phone. But he arrived soon enough, and we were able to really get into the meat of the interview. They asked me questions about my plans if I got the role, what I was passionate about, and what I thought made me qualified for the position. And I tried to answer each question thoughtfully and honestly. I didn't want to overinflate my abilities but I also wanted to be confident in my answers. The interview lasted for about 30 minutes and then ended in time for Jonathan and Paul to jump into another meeting. We exchanged a brief goodbye and then I was back in the car driving home. All right, so that went well. 
Um, asked me a bunch of questions. I gave him some some answers. I thought they were good answers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we'll see. They said um, Jonathan said they would make a decision by the end of the week. So could be really soon that find out if this is going to be a thing. So fingers crossed. I felt more tense that week than I'd felt in a long time. You know that feeling when you're on the edge of something really big happening in your life and you're just waiting for it to happen? That's how I felt for five whole days. I wasn't sure when they would get in touch with me to let me know if I got the job or not. So literally every day I went to sleep wondering if tomorrow would be the day. And pile on top of that the insecurity and the hesitance I was starting to feel about taking the job with the baby on the way. And you could see why I was starting to feel a lot of pressure. I didn't want to make the wrong choice. I wanted God to make it obvious. But I also really wanted him to say yes. Why life has to be this complicated, I don't know. Maybe it's just me and I'm way overthinking all of this. That is definitely possible. Now that weekend, Andrea and I were driving up to Atlanta for Christmas, and that's when Jonathan got in touch. We ended up stopping at a Moe's to grab dinner, and while Andrea went inside to order food, I hopped on the phone with Jonathan to hear the news. So I just got off the phone with Jonathan. They, uh, I did not get the communications director role. The person that did get it, you know, I totally believe it's going to do a great job. Um, and so for me, it's just trusting God, just trusting that if I didn't get it, there, it's because it's not what was going to be best for my family and me now and in the future. And I just got to trust God, just got to trust that he's in control and have faith and uh, just figure out what to do next. All of that planning, all of that preparation, all of those decisions that I made to get ready for this moment led to a resounding disappointment. I wasn't going into the full-time ministry after all. Now, the way that I process bad news is typically very logical. I try really hard to accept that what has happened isn't going to change. So the best thing I can do is figure out what I need to do next. And initially, I felt pretty resolved about it. Maybe that's partially because I wanted to put on a good face for Andrea, and maybe just a little bit to tell myself that it was going to be okay. Regardless, it didn't take long for me to get really honest with myself and admit that I wasn't getting the resolution that I needed. I've been really wrestling with how how to feel about everything, you know, because I, I know what the right answer is. The right answer is that I need to trust God. I need to put faith in God that he knows what he's doing and that if, you know, I'm not supposed to work for the church, if that's not best, then there's a reason for that. And I just, I, I know that that's the right answer. But it's, 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 it's one thing to know that that's the right answer. And it's, it's another to really believe it and feel good about it. 
um, you know, I find myself selling myself, convincing myself, trying to persuade my feelings, my emotions to get in line to, you know, man up and just trust God. But it's, it's still disappointing. It's still, you know, I, I've, I was looking forward to working in the ministry. I was looking forward to being in the ministry full time, you know, and, and the fact that I've been trying for, you know, almost five years to get back into the ministry and it just seems like every time that I try, God says, no, it just, it gets old after a while. And and it's hard to just stay in, to stay in there and just keep dreaming and keep hoping and wishing and, and wanting to do something for God, because it just seems like, you know, he's not, he's not helping me out. He's not giving me a hand. He's, you know, making me jump through all these hoops and, and for nothing for, you know, to, to just get shut down in the end. And so I I don't know how I feel, you know, I, you know, if I'm totally honest, I'm pretty, you know, frustrated, pretty discouraged. Um, you know, I know better than to blame God because it's not his fault. Um, but I want to, I want to blame God because that would be easier than just, you know, dealing with life. Um, I don't know. Early on in our dating relationship, my wife Andrea shared one of her favorite proverbs with me, and it was one that really resonated with me at this point in time. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, A hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I had put so much hope into this single idea, being in the full-time ministry, that seeing this opportunity pass me by felt like my heart was breaking. I knew blaming God wasn't the answer. It wasn't actually true, and I knew it wouldn't help me at all. I just hoped that time would heal the disappointment I was feeling. Maybe you can relate. Have you ever wanted something so bad that it hurt only to see it not turn out the way you hoped it would? Perhaps you had a friend you hoped would become a Christian only to watch them choose a different path. Maybe a relationship you were hoping would lead to something more and then it didn't. And when you feel the hurt and the pain from those unmet expectations, it's really easy to get bitter and calloused. I knew from personal experience just how easy it would be for me to go there. But God helped me through it. And during the weeks that followed, he gave me a new insight that would help me turn the corner. So, something I've really been focusing on that I think has helped a lot with just being resolved to really trust in God is remembering that I do not deserve anything that I can hold the promises of one God in, in, in one hand and trust him and know that he's going to fulfill his promises in the timing that he sees fit, but that he doesn't owe me anything. You know, if, if there is a balance of who, somebody owing somebody else, it is definitely me owing God everything and God owing me absolutely nothing. You know, that sending Jesus to die for me 
that that was <laughs> he takes the cake um and it's easy to feel like i deserve certain things you know to to kind of tie how hard i work on something or how long i work on something or how passionate i am about something to it's easy to tie that to an expectation that god should or will do something um that he will respond in a certain way that he will answer prayers in a certain way but he never promises any of us that um and so a really helpful mindset for me recently has just been remembering that he doesn't owe me anything that i don't deserve anything that god does not owe me anything and it's ironic how freeing that is just because you know once i let go of that feeling that i've been slighted or that i've been wronged then i'm i feel like i'm playing with house money you know that literally anything that i do that god blesses is just this incredible thing and that everything that i do that he chooses not to bless in the way that i you know would hope that he does is just me serving him and showing him how grateful i am for everything he's done for me and so ironically by expecting nothing i i feel like i'm i've gained everything just from a mindset perspective and you know just to know that moving forward that not everything has to work in order for me and god to be close that it's not a conditional relationship that I can just enjoy I can just enjoy being in the relationship and regardless of what happens and you know just really focus on the journey and trying to use my talents and gifts to help others and serve others that that's you know that's that's why I started in the first place right so so yeah so I'm really grateful for for God for for that personal breakthrough with a new perspective and a heart that was fully God's once more, I was eager to discover what God had in store for me. It's the times where your faith is tested that lead to periods of incredible growth and impact. And I was confident that if God didn't want me to work for my church, it was because he was preparing me for something better down the road. Now, selfishly, I wanted that thing to be Unlock Your Gifts, the original dream that started this journey back in episode one. But if that's the case, he hasn't tipped his hand just yet. Maybe it'll be the small group leaders workshop I was putting together. Maybe not. All I know is, God knows what he's doing. Even if he doesn't fill me in on all the details. That is a wrap on season one of Ministry Startup. When I started producing this podcast, I had no idea where it would end up. The only thing that I knew was that I wanted to share my journey with you. It can feel really overwhelming trying to do something new or big for God or start a ministry in your home church. And I wanted to help demystify it as much as I could. If this podcast has helped you, you can let me know by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it. And if you ever want to get in touch, or if there's anything I can do to help fan the flame of zeal that God has placed on your heart, just go over to my Facebook page and shoot me a message. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. 
And before we sign off today, I want to leave you with a challenge and an encouragement. Every journey begins with a single step. I hope that you will listen to the yearning that God has put on your heart and start your own adventure. That's the only way to truly live. And I know God is ready to blow your mind with what he has in store for you. I believe that the church's best days are yet to come. And I believe that it's ordinary Christians doing extraordinary things that will get us there. If you want to find out more about Ministry Startup, just go to ministrystartup.com. The theme song for this podcast was written and performed by Flow Up. You can find out more about his music by going to his Facebook page, Flow Up 623. Other music from this episode was written and performed by Michael Parallax. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon in Season 2 of Ministry Startup. <laughs>